we are in Psalm 30 for uh, our sermon today, and it's a psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, So we've been in, the last three weeks, we've been in lament psalms. And as we've been exploring those, we're seeing that this is, this is how they're guiding us in being honest with God in the midst of difficult circumstances. Whereas a psalm of thanksgiving is looking back at difficult circumstances and thanking God for his faithfulness and his rescue. In fact, Psalm 30 as a thanksgiving psalm runs parallel with Psalm 6 as a lament psalm, which Mike preached just a few weeks ago. Both are referring to similar situations. Both include similar expressions. But whereas Psalm 6 is smack in the middle of those difficult circumstances, Psalm 30 is reflecting back on it. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's tempting to think that we can only relate to and utilize lament psalms when, when things are, are difficult or relate to and utilize Thanksgiving psalms when things are going well. But I don't think that's the case. And the psalms are really flexible in how they, they guide us. And so even if you're struggling this morning and, and really don't feel like you have it in you to be praising God, uh, making a Thanksgiving psalm your own, like Psalm 30, can really help you learn how to praise God in the midst of difficulty, while at the same time, it it prepares us for what it will look like to be praising God uh, on the other side of difficulty. Or it could be that you're uh, you're in a situation this morning where you are ready to praise God. You're ready to, because you have all these reasons to be thankful, and in which case, Psalm 30 gives us a beautiful way to do that. Either way, wherever you are, This psalm is a gift to us, and the Spirit uh, will use these words to form us into the image of Christ and draw us closer to God. So let's dive in then. Uh, The title of Psalm 30 says, A Psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple, which is kind of interesting because David wasn't alive for the dedication of the temple. Uh, So either David wrote this in anticipation of, um, of the building and dedication of the temple, or the title was added later by an editor. Either way, the desire here was for later generations, as they gathered for worship, to remember God's faithfulness and remember God's covenant promises to his people, which includes you and includes me. And even though there are several millennia between the, the original setting of the psalm and us, uh, we can adopt, adopt this psalm as our own, as our own prayer and our own song. And so we get to do that this morning. And if you have a Bible open uh, there with you, I think it'd be awesome to read this together. I know we can't hear each other. We can't even see each other this morning, but I think it's good to be participating actively together in this. So can't share my screen, but I'm going to be using the NIV translation of Psalm 30. And let's read this out loud together wherever you are. Ready? All right. Psalm 30 goes, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. Wherever you are. Ready? All right. Psalm 30 goes. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting feedback now with Zoom. I'm going to mute myself here. No, there we go. Okay. Start over. 
I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. You did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Amen. So this psalm basically has three different parts. The first part, verses 1 to 5, are rehearsing God's rescue and the reasons for being thankful. Verses 6 to 10 are David stepping back and giving us the the backstory uh, that that led up to this need for rescue. And then the end, verses 11-12, comes back to the reasons for being thankful. Now, in this first part, God is rehearsing, or David is rehearsing God's rescue by highlighting five specific actions of God and, and then two broad attributes of God that gives him reason to praise. So if you look there at verses one to three, you see the five specific actions of God's rescue are that God lifted me out of the depths, prevented my enemies from gloating, healed me, brought me up, and spared me. What I love about the poetry in the Psalms is that it uses different words and phrases to appreciate the same act of God's rescue. It's looking at it from all of these different angles through repetition and, and different word choice. And every unique poetic angle of considering God's act of rescue provides a unique reason to be thankful and to give God praise. I remember back in seminary and my early years of ministry, uh, diving into this long debate about which a particular biblical description or image best summarizes the, the gospel and God's rescue, what God accomplished through Jesus's life, death, resurrection, ascension. Uh, and and we, we talked about things like, is it, is it substitu- substitutionary atonement that Christ died in our place? Is it redemption, Christ buying us back? Is it reconciliation, God repairing our relationship with God? Is it justification, God paying our debt? Is it victory, Christ crushing the devil and sin and evil? Is it liberation, Christ freeing us from oppression? Is it adoption, Christ making us his children and adopting us and and on and on? And and my conclusion was and is, it's all of them. Uh, The reason why the Bible talks about God's act of rescue and the good news of Jesus in so many ways, is on the one hand because 
God's work is absolutely comprehensive of restoring every relationship and every part of life. And um, these different and complementary ways of talking about it give us all of these different ways to appreciate what God has done for us. And uh, they are unique windows into his work. And not only that, but who God is and who we are. And that leads us to the two broad attributes of God that we have in verse 5. His anger lasts only a moment. That's the first. But his favor lasts a lifetime. In other words, God in his very nature is more gracious than he is wrathful. And I know uh, folks struggle sometimes with thinking about God's wrath, but uh, it's a good thing that God is angry at evil in the world. And it's, it's an only natural as, as a holy, perfect God that God would be angry about sin that destroys uh, the fabric of his good creation and our relationships with each other. And yet, God's nature is to forgive, to show favor, to be gracious, to be merciful. And uh, my friends, this is something that every day, like not just at the beginning of our journey of faith, but every day we have the opportunity to admit our need and to say, yet, but the grace of God, I would be lost. And, and to receive over and over again through faith in Jesus, the grace that we need to be in relationship with God and, and to sustain this life of faith. And so God's favor, as Psalm 30 reminds us, lasts a lifetime and beyond. And that marvelous truth is what has the capacity to turn our weeping into rejoicing, as David writes in verse 5. Now, this is really cool. In the original Hebrew poetry, those words weeping and rejoicing are really intentional words uh, because they are onomatopoeias. <laughs> Does anybody know what onomatopoeia is? Uh, if so, okay. so it's... first one who's able to um, chat that to me gets a prize. I don't know. I'll figure out the prize later. But um, onomatopoeias are these words that sound like what they mean, right? Like uh, think, think the action word bubbles in the, in the Spider-Man comics, like splash and bam, pow. Uh, yeah, it's Henry, it's spelled the same as it means, onomatopoeia. Um, <clears throat> so these words, weeping and rejoicing, are, are onomatopoeias. So the word for weeping in the Hebrew sounds like an audible cry. It's bakai, bakai, bakai. It's like someone's releasing their, their, their emotion of sorrow audibly. And the word for rejoicing in the Hebrew sounds like an audible shout of joy. It's ranana, ranana, ranana. And, and I love that because it shows us, it, this poetry is showing us that the joy elicited by God's rescue is meant to be verbally expressed, not just internally felt. So just like weeping, if you're really sorrowful, it has to come out, right? The weeping is audible. In that very same way, rejoicing should be audible. So like when my three-year-old son 
brings me with incredible joy, brings me a slug, which he did yesterday. And he automatically, he, he immediately named this slug Rudy, by the way. He, he, he brings me Rudy and it, you know, he's filled with joy and he can't just feel that joy inside of him. He has to be like, look at this slug. It's so cool. You know, he's got to, he got has to express that to me verbally. And, um, you know, when I'm filled with delight in my wife, it's not enough just for me to think that delight, right? Those of you who are married, are you with me? No, you've got you to gotta tell her, you are delightful. And, and I don't tell her that nearly enough or as much as I should because verbalizing is an essential part of the praising. I think that's one of the critical things we learn from Psalm 30. And C.S. Lewis writes about this in his little book on the Psalms. It's a book called Reflections on the Psalms. And he says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is the appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers Keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And that is why for thousands of years, as Christians gather to worship, we sing. Because uh, it doesn't just express our joy, it completes it. It consummates our joy in this God who has been unimaginably gracious to us. And I'm not sure that's going to work for us to do together today, unless you all just want to listen to me sing. <laughs> but um, I'll jump on in, in a little bit and see if there are ways that we could perhaps post that. In fact, maybe Cameo, if you want to be working on uploading that to Vimeo, uh, we can worship together in that way. In the meantime, uh, let's keep going in this psalm. In the middle part of Psalm 30, David now steps back and he's remembering the, the backstory for why he is so thankful. And he admits that there was a season when he got pretty arrogant. If you look at verse 6, he's saying, When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. And of course, that's an illusion, right? David had falsely linked his external prosperity to spiritual prosperity. And so when the external prosperity was taken away, he had a spiritual crisis. And I mean, it may be that some of you are feeling that now in the midst of, of all this COVID-19 and isolation and quarantine and job loss and financial uncertainty and all this. And you, you may just be seeing the cracks appear in some of that external prosperity, or maybe you know, the bottom is starting to fall out and it, it raises the question, whatever crisis, whenever crises like this occur, how much do I really trust God? How much am I relying on God, depending on God, connected to God? Um, is, this, is this something that I only do in a crisis? Um, do I only realize my need for God when uh, the cracks start appearing? Uh, when, when the bottom falls out, like, and, and what can I learn depending on how I answer that question? Uh, when, 
how, what can I learn about the, the need for dependence and connection with God during a crisis like this that I can then carry into the next season of prosperity? So David cries out, and God is merciful, the text says, and, and hears his cry. And so David ends the psalm by returning to the praise that he started it with. This is verses 11 and 12. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. And again, David, David is focusing on God's action because there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. All rescue comes from God. So he's like, God turned my wailing into dancing. God removed my sackcloth. God clothed me with joy. God, 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 it's all God. And as a result, David says, I will not be silent. There it is again. I will turn my, my internal joy into external expression of how good God is. What I'm feeling inside, I will make audible and I will praise you forever. I don't know what translation you're looking at. I think most translations end Psalm 30 with the word forever. But in the original Hebrew, the last word is thanks. Forever, I will give thanks. And I like that because my deep desire as a follower of Jesus, no matter what valleys I may experience in this life, is that thanks would be my last word. What I mean by that is I want thanksgiving to be my primary posture and attitude toward this world that God has made, which we've talked about this morning, but also toward the new life that God has given me and God's work of, of redemption in the world. No matter how hard this life can be, that my fundamental posture, the last word, would be thanks. Yes, we have sacred permission, as we've seen in the Lament Psalms, to honestly complain and to lament and do that in full honesty before God and each other. While at the same time, we can recognize that uh, the story of God and the grace of God drives me toward being thankful. Because except for the grace of God, we would all be lost. And yet, this is who God is. He shows favor. He shows, he gives us forgiveness. He restores us. Um, and he's working to do that, not just for us, but for the whole world. And in his commentary, Walter Brueggemann says something really similar. Just want to read this to you. He says, such thanks, which articulates a new life commitment. It's just kind of interesting thinking about thanksgiving, not just as an expression of emotion, but a a life commitment is possible only among those who vividly remember their pre-rescue situation. The purpose of this psalm appears to be to keep that memory alive, <clears throat> excuse me, so that the occasion of transformation is kept alive. In that movement of transformation are found both the power to life and the passion for praise of God. I think he's right about that. In uh, the music that we had chosen for this morning, 
we're going to sing this, this song, Love Never Fails. And there's a line that comes straight from Psalm 30. It goes, um, you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. And then there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. So however we get that music to you today, uh, I would encourage you to sing it, uh, to, to let the, the music help you express the, what, what I hope you're starting to feel inside about who God is and how gracious he's been toward you. Um, and even if you're feeling the absence of God, it is the presence of God and the grace of God that are most enduring, that will last forever. So my friends, uh, be encouraged today. Um, sorry for the technological glitches, but I'm glad many of you were able to jump here on Facebook Live, I see, and some of you are still on Zoom. This is kind of crazy, but I'm, I'm grateful that we stayed connected, that we're able to, to uh, dive into God's word together. And so I'm going to pray, and then um, you can jump off if you want, give a, a few closing an announcements and words uh, just in case you missed that earlier on our Zoom call. So let's pray. God, thank you for these words from Psalm 30, just these reminders that uh, your fundamental nature is to be gracious, is to be forgiving, is to rescue us. And as we consider that from all these different angles, we, we appreciate that from all these different angles as well. And our hearts are, are full of thankfulness. So God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for who you are and who you're making us to be through Christ by the Spirit. May we praise you forever and give thanks. Amen.